We are returning this morning to the story of the Exodus and the, to the character of Moses. Today's episode in the chronicle of the Israelites' escape from Egypt is iconic. You might find yourself conjuring the image of Charlton Heston standing over the mighty waters as you listen to the scripture. Hear the scripture from Exodus 14, verses 19 through 31. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel, and so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us free from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come up upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of God for the people of God. When our children were young, we would like them to take a turn saying grace before dinner. And one evening we asked our five-year-old to pray for the meal. And we reminded him that he could say anything to God as long as he was sincere. And he prayed this, God, how did you part the Red Sea? That's what I want to know. Amen. Unfortunately, when reading biblical stories like this one, people of all ages can get bogged down with questions like my five-year-olds. Did it really happen? How could it have happened? Or they feel that if it didn't actually happen, how can they believe anything in the Bible? 
Some interpreters on the other end set out to defend scientifically how miracles like the parting of the Red Sea could have naturalistically happened. And they go to great lengths to construct their cases. Now, asking these questions is not surprising. But these questions aren't particularly helpful for people who want to know God and entrust their lives to God. The Bible is a library of books. And the stories within this library help us to understand the narrative of God so that we might see our own human experiences, our lives through the text, and come to know God in a fuller way. Today's biblical story calls us to faith and to trust, not to intellectual assent. This story is about God providing a way when we see no way. This story is about God carving a path through the unthinkable situations in our lives. This story should be recited whenever we feel our backs are against the wall and our hope is thin. We should hear this story when we need strength against our enemies. Now, our enemy may not be a pharaoh, but I believe we each have our own enemy that pursues us. And maybe yours is an enemy like guilt or shame or grief that's relentless or jealousy or self-hatred or fear or depression or addictions of your own brand. Whatever your version of an enemy that seeks to keep you in its grip, this story says God is strong enough and loves you enough to fight for you. In verse 14, in the same chapter, Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be still. The Exodus story is a story of hope, a story of God's commitment to people throughout generations. And that's why we keep telling it. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years after Moses, spoke to the children of Israel while they were exiles in Babylon. This is what he said. But now thus says the Lord, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior, and they lie down and they cannot rise. They are dis extinguished quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, the Lord says, or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. Sound familiar? The Exodus has shaped and inspired liberation movements 
for centuries upon centuries. It is the defining story that the Jew, for the Jewish people. It is recounted daily in Jewish prayers and celebrated in festivals such as Passover. Early Christians saw the Exodus as a prefiguration of Jesus's resurrection. The story has also resonated with non-Jewish groups, non-Christian groups, such as the early American settlers fleeing persecution in Europe and African-Americans striving for liberty and civil rights. Since the death of Congressman John Lewis, countless stories have been told of his bravery as a young man, harnessing his faith in God to follow the call of the gospel to set free African-Americans from institutionalized racism. John Lewis was one of many courageous Americans who risked their lives to face down the enemies of freedom. There's an iconic photograph taken on March 21st, 1965 of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, John Lewis, among others at the front of 600 people of all races and religions. And these people were beginning their third and final march from Selma to Montgomery. And the marchers were setting foot to cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And I looked at that photo for a long time and it dawned on me that I really didn't know anything about the man whose name is emblazoned across the bridge, Edmund Pettus. Edmund Pettus, it turns out, was an Alabama senator after the Civil War who fought to maintain the institution of slavery, who fought in the Mexican-American War, who fought against Native Americans in California, and who ultimately was appointed as a grand dragon in the Alabama clan during Reconstruction. It was clear that Edmund Pettus worked his whole life to be a barricade and barrier, not a bridge, to freedom for the disenfranchised. But God did not let the hatred of Edmund Pettus nor people like him to get in God's way. The state troopers and the clan that waited for the marchers on the other side of the Pettus Bridge were like the Egyptian soldiers. Like the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea, the civil rights marchers led by modern day Moses crossed that bridge in protest to the enemy. God claimed that bridge that day and reshaped it into a new path for the people to freedom. And Rabbi Heschel famously remarked, for many of us, the march from Selma to Montgomery was about protest and prayer. Legs are not lips and walking is not kneeling. And yet our legs uttered songs. Even without words, our march was worship. I felt my legs were praying, he said. When there seemed to be no way, God made a way for our nation to face its racist sins. And yet the fight for racial equality and the dismantling of institutionalized racism 
was not over March 21, 1965, nor after the Civil Rights Act was signed into law. The fight is still alive, and it continues on our streets, in cities, across our, across our country, this very day. The Hebrew slaves were saved from the Egyptian rulers. But once they reached the other side of the sea, they were met with 40 hard years in the wilderness. Freedom always comes at a cost. The work is never complete. The story of liberation continues on. And these words of promise and strength are given to all people who continue to bend the arc of history toward God's justice. Where there are oppressed people fighting for greater freedom, God is there. Where human nature seeks to build barriers and barricades, God calls us to fight with protests and prayers. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. God is about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? May we perceive it. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>